September. The year is 1997, shortly after Labor Day. And I get a call from a friend of mine who lives in Wilmington, Delaware. I'm currently living in Atlanta, Georgia. A friend calls me to tell me that he read in the paper that there is a warrant for my arrest. There's property in Delaware that has been involved in a, a financial rental scam. And the warrant is for me to be brought in and face charges. I leave my home on that day unrelated to that situation. I happen to be carrying a, a nine millimeter Glock. I leave my home and it's a sunny day in Atlanta and I'm traveling on Cascade Road and I approach a major intersection not more than five blocks from my home. I'm seated at a red light when out of nowhere there are lights flashing, uh, armed patrol officers and U.S. Marshals and a barrage of, of flurry activity, just people surrounding uh, the vehicle I'm traveling in, all with guns uh, pointed at me as I'm seated at this light, all giving me instructions not to move or they were going to shoot. In that moment, if I had sneezed, I would have truly known what it meant to be sorry. For the underlying crime that had been committed, sorry, not so much. Anywho. <laughs> this Tales from Wreckage podcast is about empowering stories that bring latent powerful characters and future badass superheroes to life. I'm Father Stephen Kirk, and I'm your host on this journey to move the world through the lived truth of our stories. Telling the lived truth of one's story is work we were all born for, and never work for which we should feel sorry. Believe me when I say, I know what it can mean to be sorry. In this episode, we are delighted to have back with us for round two, Dr. Kathleen Garland and the illustrious Father Esteban. Welcome back, Dr. Garland. Thank you, Father Kirk. It's a pleasure to be here. I'll join you on the other side of your second round with Father Esteban. Why, thank you. Well, I am looking forward to it. So I'd like to welcome him now, Father Esteban. I appreciate so much that you've come back to join us again today. Thank you. I hope that today we can talk about some of the other things that have come up in my mind since the last time we talked. So I wanted to start right off with the very beginning of um, a blog that Father Kirk wrote about you, where he says you have a history of gangster proclivities. What does he mean by that? Gangster proclivities. He means that I do what I have to do to survive. And that means I have to beg, borrow, or steal. That's what I do. How's that gangster? Gangster, to me, suggests criminal activity. Have you been involved with criminal activities? From birth. 
<laughs> Can you give us some examples? I think earlier he relayed the story about a rental scam that I ran. Yes, yes, he told that story earlier today on this podcast. Yeah, yeah. That was one of my moves. Was that one of your greatest hits? It was up there. But it almost got you shot. Almost got him shot. Excuse me, I, I stand corrected. What else have you done that might be perceived as criminally, I don't want to say criminally insane, but just criminal? In your past, well, I, I, I don't. I, let's let's look at this differently. The criminality aspect of it, I think, is overemphasized. What I do is what I have to do to protect Kirk, and I make the moves, play by my own rules, that are necessary for his survival. Okay. And I play by my own rules, so that is perhaps considered uh, defines gangster proclivity. Because I make up my rules. Have you given any thought about playing it straight in the future? I've had a room for president. That is actually what I heard, but I wanted to hear it from the horse's mouth. I'm not a horse, but anyway, you hear it from me. Running for president in 2020. Mm -hmm. Tell me more about that. What's your platform based on? Criminal reform, something I know a lot about. I want to organize and point my comrades in a different direction. What direction do you want to point them in? A more profitable one. Can you explain that a little bit more? Give me an example. I come to realize that, well, let me say this, because I, I don't, I don't want to get too far ahead of my, 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 my cabinet and my plans. But let me just say this, that right now, justice is for sale in America, and I am living proof of that, though I have done many crimes, many times. I've always had enough money in my pocket to get away with it, to get out of it. Could you use the example that Father Kirk gave us this morning about the Reynolds scam and the fact that you obviously were arrested for that event, but you did not do time for that? Right. How did financial transactions play into your not having to do time? I made financial restitution. I see. So I took one hustle, one crime, and used money from one crime to pay for the other crime. <laughs> By being able to make financial restitution, within uh, a quarter-pointed period of time, that was sufficient for the powers that be to say, case closed. So a whole different take on the concept of pay it forward. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> How very interesting. So your experiences with the court system have told you that money talks in America and in the justice system. How would you reform that? Well, it's not a matter of, of, of reforming that. Uh, it's a matter of addressing the economics that some people, why some people have resources and others don't have resources to be able to make bail, to make financial restitution. I see. I see. Well, this is something that I, too, am very, very interested in seeing happen. Um, it's, it's very disheartening. There have been some great news items out this week, for example, when Trump's campaign manager was sentenced to 47 months in prison for bank fraud and embezzlement. I need, um, more, I need more time in, in high school detention than, than Manafort's going to do on jail, but anyway, go ahead. Exactly. Right. I heard an excellent article on the news that was given by a public defender 
who said that he had a client who was looking at two to seven years because he stole a roll of quarters from the laundry room in the apartment complex. Two to seven years for a roll of quarters. And Paul Manafort is only looking at 47 months for having stolen $50 million. Yeah. But see, the, the problem there is he's not doing two to seven for having stolen roll of quarters. He's doing two to seven for having a bad attorney. <laughs> public defender. There he didn't go. have a choice. They assigned him the public defender. That's my point. <laughs> Obviously, he can talk on the radio, though, and make good arguments about why that's not a just justice system. Well, thank you. Thank you. America, you've heard it here first. Grand Vision I, and your, your campaign. I, I do have one question for you, though. Yes? Yeah. Who are you voting for in 2018? There's no one answer. What party are you affiliated with? <laughs> That's the right answer. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Father, Mr. Davon. I stayed by in 2020. Well, Dr. Carlo, welcome back. And uh, round two under your belt. Yes. Uh, how do you feel? Just fine. Yeah. I had much more of a conversation with Father Esteban today. We want to pick up on a, a lingering question, and want to get your your th your thoughts about about how he, to you how does he feel about um, uh, quote unquote the, the idea of gangster proclivities or or his character flaws. What did you what did you make of what conclusions you come to around that? Well, first, this is a very interesting and relevant quote. Everyone thinks of changing the world, but no one thinks of changing himself. Certainly, Father Esteban does not think of changing himself. He does not see himself as having character flaws. He sees himself as having the character qualities that are needed to do his job, which is to be Father Kirk's protector, to be your protector. He doesn't see himself as a criminal. He sees himself as a facilitator of activities which bring the resources into your lives so that you're able to accomplish the things you want to accomplish and also recover from some of the difficulties that perhaps you've gotten into due to what we think of those gangster proclivities and what he thinks of as playing by his own rules to get what's needed. So he doesn't see himself as a flawed character. He sees himself as a hero. He has a heroic aspect to him that I think is a great example of what we're talking about here in terms of our marketable franchise properties. How then? Characters see their character qualities or their personality qualities in terms of their mission. If your mission is to succeed socially, then your character might have great ability to negotiate, to even posture, to be and project a persona that perhaps isn't a real one, but that can make a person very successful in society. And so a character could have those qualities and the character would see those as a benefit. Whereas looking at it from the outside, that character might be perceived as being fake 
being posturing, being a, a, a poser. I see Father Esteban as a great example of how a character who walks on both sides of the law as someone who has in his own mind that as a, a quality of courage, a quality of creativity, of being able to do what's needed to be done at the moment, being adaptable, being flexible, and being fearless in the face of what other people might think of as very frightening obstacles. So he's a hero to himself, and thus he does not want to reform or change himself. He literally wants to use those characteristics to change the world through his campaign for President of the United States. Understood. That, that's good. What is the relevance of that point you just made for our listening audience? What, what can our audience glean from that understanding, the understanding of a state bond that you just shared with us? The message, Father Kirk, is as we do our work of identifying our cast of characters and learning to tell their stories, we need to be able to put ourselves in our characters' shoes and understand that they see themselves in light of their own, their own journey, their own role in our lives. We don't have to be afraid of those things which other people might perceive as negative because if this character is allowed to tell his or her own story, they're going to tell it with their own set of values around their own characteristics. They're going to look at their story and, and that story has to be told from their perspective of how well they accomplish the mission that they have in the overall life of the person who, whose character they are. Our, our message to our, our, our listeners then is Give your characters a voice and see what they think about themselves. Help them speak the truth of why they do what they do and why they act the way they act. And that will help you as a person understand the role they play and how they affect your life's trajectory. And then how you can work with them to take that trajectory and move it in a new direction. And might that d direction be developing a marketable franchise property? It could very well be, because everybody loves a good, flawed superhero. Nobody wants a perfect character. And if we look at, at some of our favorite superheroes, like Superman, or um, I even think of Captain America, who are guys with white hats as superheroes, as their stories have developed over time, every one of them has developed flaws and weaknesses, and that's made them so much more approachable to the audience. On the other end of the spectrum, we have Iron Man, one of my favorite superhero characters, whose greatest strength is a really extremely high-powered brain and who is played so effectively by Robert Downey Jr. because we all know Robert Downey Jr.'s story. 
he's a very flawed person and he plays a flawed superhero perfectly because he can transmit that that information that those feelings right into his character and so his character is a smart ass his character doesn't follow the rules his character uses his brain power to achieve great things and sometimes very heroic things but it's always heroic on the character's terms and that's what we need to understand about our cast of characters is they're heroic on their terms not necessarily the terms of the general population or in terms of what might be thought of as correctness they may not be correctly heroic they're just heroic in their own lifestyle in their own trajectory in their own mission that's what they're there for they have a mission to accomplish and they're accomplishing it well said Late powerful characters, potential badass superheroes. Thank you. Exactly. <laughs> Again, north of extraordinary, more than weird. Absolutely. You can discover more about Father Stavon, his presidential cabinet, and his grand vision on our website. That's Fusion with a PH, fusionplatform.com. And you can post your comments, your thoughts, and your opinions. Uh, on the podcast there. Thank you to our, thanks to our wonderful producer, Katie Langston. And we invite you to leave your thoughts and check us out on social media. Uh, we are at Fusion Tales, uh, again, PH. Tag us in your heroic stories with the tag Wreckage Podcast. Thank you again. And I want to leave you with this thought uh, for today. Let him who would move the world first move him or herself. That's from Socrates. Again, we thank you for being a part of our broadcast, this podcast production, uh, and being a part of Fusion as we move self to move the world. God bless. Thank you.